Hello and welcome to the LNER Fast Track Podcast and this time we visit Grantham. The next train to arrive at number 2, 11.41 and we are Intercity Service to Leeds. We're going to hear about an event designed to surprise and delight customers and trigger memories of the last 100 years. We're going back to 1923 so it's a bit of a shock to them to walk in and see people dressed up. It's nice that we can talk to them about our anniversary and about the history of the railway. And later in this episode, we celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Selby Diversion, the first bit of purpose-built 125-mile-per-hour railway in the UK, which transformed services between London and Edinburgh. This whole bit of train track was paid for by the National Coal Board at the time because they wanted to do actual mining underneath where the old tracks were. So first we're back to 1923 in the Lincolnshire town of Grantham. As part of our 100 year celebrations, we gave customers a taste of what a rural market town station would have looked like in those days. As it is now, Grantham was an important junction station and LNER staff from all over the network were there to bring the 1920s to life. Hi, I'm Graham, and I am our station manager for LNER for, in Scotland. But today I am Jack, and I've been busy since half past six this morning getting our newspaper stand ready as a newspaper tender here in Grantham Station as part of our 100th celebrations. Hi, my name's Joanne, and I'm based at Leeds as onboard catering crew. Today I am Florence, a nurse from the 1920s. I'm travelling on an LNER service to London as it's my first day in a new job in a new hospital in London. Hello, I'm Becky from Newark Station, I'm a dispatcher, but today we've gone back in time to 1923 and I am Mabel for the day as a housewife seeing off my army husband off to King's Cross. Hi, good afternoon, I'm, I'm Joshua, a customer experience host here at LNER, uh, but today I'm, I'm Ben and I run a stall at the local farmer's market in Grantham and I use the LNER to transport my potatoes across the country. Hello there, my name is Harvey, I'm a train manager, but today I am a farm owner and the LNER played a big part in transporting those goods to the shop shelves. So I'm with Penny Bond now. Um, Penny's job is as an internal communications manager, but her job today is to organise this amazing event at Grantham Station. I think I'm really pleased, actually. I'm really surprised at how well it's gone to plan. Um, It's been an incredible morning. The whole purpose of it was to surprise and delight our customers. It's our 100-year anniversary. We wanted to share that with our customers and our colleagues because our customers are the heart of our business, and I think we've achieved that today. They've come to catch a train make a normal journey and suddenly presented with all these different characters well we're basically teaching them the history of the railway today we're going back to 1923 so it's a bit of a shock to them to walk in and see people dressed up it's nice that we can talk to them about our anniversary and about the history of the railway and what it's actually done is provoke their memories hasn't it yeah, I mean, we've heard so many stories this morning about, you know, youngsters coming through the station or, you know, they used to come and watch the trains and we've got lots of people here today who have grown up with such a passion for the railway anyway, so they're all sharing their stories as well. So it's lovely to hear different takes from different people. People probably do look at it and go, well, it's just a train, it's just a form of transport, but it's not, it's a way of bringing people together. So if you look at all the previous kind of stories that we've shared this year, you know, people have found each other on the trains and they've ended up married or, you know, 
know, long distance relationships have worked there or people have achieved first experiences like they've gone on holiday or they've gone to the West End and there's all these wonderful stories underneath this mode of transport. So it isn't just a train, it builds memories. Well, I'm with uh, David Horn now, who is, of course, the managing director of uh, LNER. Today, you just look incredible. If I just a quick description, you have taken yourself back to 1923 and you are the Grantham Station Master, complete with the waistcoat, the jacket, the pocket watch, the boots, and the hat. And it's surprisingly comfortable, actually. Is it? Yes, right. yes, the boots are, are, are pretty comfortable. And this coat, of course, it's slightly cold today. And, and so this, this great big long coat I've got and the waistcoat underneath is really keeping us quite warm in here. So um, we've been getting some fantastic comments, of course, from uh, normal passengers. What on <laughs> earth's going on? I think it's just three layers. So three. It's, it's a shirt, a waistcoat, and a, in this great big long coat. So, yeah, it's not, not too bad from that point of view. It takes a little bit of time to get on because the it's a separate collar to the shirt which they would have had back in uh, those days and uh, but I feel ready for all weathers. <laughs> this event at uh, Grantham today has attracted a lot of attention. It has. We wanted to do something at one of the smaller stations. Obviously we've done a number of events during the year to celebrate LNER 100 yeah. at the bigger stations that we had the train naming in York for example but we really wanted to do an event at one of the smaller stations. What better place than Grantham because you've got the original station building and the lovely restored canopy and of course Grantham Anthem was where Mallard started that historic record-breaking run back in 1938. So there's a real historical connection between Grantham and the LNER. And steeped in history, Grantham, as well, it was a locomotive changeover point in the days before the locos could make the full journeys. So it's always been a very important staging post on the East Coast Main Line. It's a junction station. It still is a junction station because you've still got the, the branch lines to Nottingham and to Skegness that people change for today but yes certainly years ago Grantham was an even more active railway station uh, with a with a depot and of course you would have had local gangs as well doing the the track maintenance you would have had a signaler based here in a signal box and uh, as as we've seen with some of the historical photographs that are now on display in the waiting room you see that just how many goods and different uh, items would have come through Grantham station really supplying the town Uh, everything came through the railway station and so yes it was a really big place. Well I'm with Dr David Turner now and um, he is a railway historian Uh, you must be enjoying seeing the spirit of 1923 being recreated yeah it's good it's good to see people experiencing some of what passengers back then would have uh, encountered when they arrived at the station it does look quite realistic doesn't it all these costumes the costumes are really giving a sense of how people dressed and some of the things from the era the interwar era there's also posters up from that period as well there's a very vibrant place the railway station with lots of like we do today have lots of posters for far-flung and uh, maybe nearer destinations i mean how important would the station be for a town like grantham in 1923 then? the station at that point would be like a local hub especially like larger towns at grantham it would be connecting people with very many places all around it was it was also a, a sort of focal point of trade and and you know on the platform if you were there sort of say late at night uh, you might see like milk churns going off to london parcels going places um all over the country there was a very big parcel service that was run and it was a focal site of the community and of the local economy. 
and a crossroads as well, something that it still is, because it hasn't lost that many of its lines, has it? It is still a crossroads between the East Midlands, the coast, mm. London and Edinburgh, isn't it? it? It's been the convergence of lines uh, and people change trains here and people change trains back in the past and they'd have to wait. One of the things you know we might do when you're waiting is go to the refreshment room on the platform, maybe pick up a you know magazine or book at the bookstall. WH Smith bookstall was here in the 1920s. Dr David Turner there. I also met John Clayson as well who had a story to tell about his father's unique photos on display in the waiting room. My father and I came through to Grantham by bus from Leicester in the early 1960s. Uh, I was very keen on the trains here. They were high-speed trains. There were still steam engines. That was great for me. My dad was very interested uh, in uh, photography. He's a very keen amateur photographer, mainly photographs of people. He was not so much interested in the in the locomotives, although we did have photographs. I do have photographs of those. He began to to see little moments in time on the station where where a, perhaps a, a group of station staff would be wheeling a, an overburdened trolley along the platform, and he would just snap that moment in time. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Because most railway photographers, as you say, are always interested in the trains but the stories of the faces Absolutely. of the time mean that he's yeah. captured a unique document yeah. of what went on. That's, that's, that's what excited me about these photographs. When I began to rediscover them, uh, I inherited his negatives, many of which had not been printed, uh, so I didn't really know the pictures at, at all until I put them through a digital scanner and then realised what a, a great archive it was. So he started off with capturing these, these, as I say, moments in time, and then three or four weeks later we would come back and he would be a print of that picture or several prints and give the prints to the, to the staff who were in the picture and that would lead to a developing relationship here between us and uh, as occasional visitors with a camera and, uh, and the young lad uh, train spotting and ourselves and we were then invited to uh, take photographs of groups of people uh, who were set up because I think the, the station managers here, the station inspectors realised that the 1960s were going to be a bit of a turning point for the railway. It was never going to be quite the same again. A lot of the Victorian heritage of the railway is still evident on the station at that time. I think there was a realisation on the railway community that things were changing. So the the old traditions were uh, moving on to a more modern railway, such as we have here today. And it would be uh, a, a good opportunity to, uh, to capture something of the essence of those days. So we leave Grantham and travel north, and before 1983, the route from Doncaster to York was via Selby and a notorious speed restriction over the swing bridge which crossed the River Ouse. Forty years ago, there was a major change which led to faster journeys, and here to explain is the railway historian and TV presenter Tim Dunn. Yeah, you might think to yourself, hang on, a Selby diversion, a bit of track, why is that exciting? (laughs) I promised you it is more interesting than it might first sound. Because actually, this whole bit of train track was paid for by the National Coal Board at the time because they wanted to do actual mining underneath where the old tracks were. So they paid for a brand new, high-speed, direct rail route through the countryside across the fields. And so, in doing so, 40 years ago, All of us in Britain got a faster railway built for 140 mile an hour running in a more direct route to London. Of course, the other thing was that um, it also solved a problem 
which was the Selby Swing Bridge, didn't it? Well, of course. I mean, Selby Swing Bridge was one of, a, or is a number of uh, swing bridges, which actually go across the river. And, of course, they have to open up to allow the boats going through because boats have got priority. So those things were being opened and shut, opened and shut. So, of course, the timetables were being affected by the passage of boats. So it's quite unreliable. So, of course, now that was bypassed, we had a more, I suppose, predictable way of getting up and down to London. Have you walked or been on the old route then, now, cycle track? Do you know, I haven't. But it's one that intrigues me. I've walked alongside the new track and had a look at the new bridges went across yeah. because I'm an architecture nerd, I'm an engineering nerd, and I was being shown around by an engineer pointing out the finer details, actually just how finesse those designs were. Because what people don't know about the Stolby Diversion is how much time the designers spent making those bridges all just look absolutely spot on. They weren't just engineers, they actually cared about the, 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 the form of their bridges as well. So take a second look, they're actually quite attractive bridges. So you're saying that the, the bridge that crosses the River Wharf... Mm-hmm is actually an architectural phenomenon. Then. I, know. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far to say it's an architectural phenomenon, but I would say that the bridges on the Selby Diversion, together as a set piece, have been designed really with actually more than just function in mind. Uh, I actually met one of the engineers and he said, oh, I, 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 I love designing these bridges, but I, I just changed one thing he said. I was never happy with the finish on bridge number seven, I think it was, and never quite happy with that one. And you think all these years on, 40 years on, he's still thinking about how he could improve the look of something and that to me is the true mark of someone who cares about their job. The other thing about the Selby diversion was the junctions were quite unusual Yeah. because Colton Junction just south of York was one of the first diversions to be able to be taken at full speed. Those points or the, the, you know, the diversions, the turnouts as you were in the train tracks they are a really a narrow angle so they can be taken at very high speed of course normally if you're trying to change tracks the train withers around and wavers around and it sways side to side not so here at Colton Junction. The railway historian Tim Dunn talking about the Selby diversion, a piece of railway built 40 years ago and LNER's managing director David Horn agrees this was a vital piece of railway for revolutionising travel. Well, in the history and the development of the East Coast Main Line, we wouldn't have the service that we have today without the Selby diversion. When you think at the time, the railways across the country were in a bit of a state of decline, and so the, the prospect of a brand new piece of railway being built outside of London was really unusual. And, and so the Selby diversion was quite a moment, really, in the history of the East Coast Main Line uh, to create a, a, the first 125-mile-an-hour piece of railway, brand-new railway in the country, and that really helped to reduce the journey times uh, on the East Coast Main Line from York to London and on to Edinburgh. What do you think um, operating LNER between Edinburgh and London and York would be like now if you still had to weave over uh, Selby Swing Bridge and round through Barby? Yeah, I guess it would be regarded as a bit of an anachronism by uh, by passengers and by customers. It, it, the fact that with the Selby diversion, we were able to divert trains onto a high-speed piece of line helped to reduce the journey times. Only a couple of days ago, I was looking at a, an old uh, railway timetable from the late 70s, just before the Selby diversion was being built, and then the, the London to Edinburgh journey took... Uh, five and three quarter hours and now of course it's down to four hours that was partly about electrification that followed in the 90s but it was also because the Selby diversion cut journey times uh, between York and Doncaster. And do you think there are lessons to learn from the Selby diversion in other parts of the East Coast Main Line? Could a similar thing help in the future? 
there were various schemes along the route at the time which was all about increasing the speed of the trains. So when you think that the steam trains used to run at 60, 70 miles an hour, typically with the Deltics, there was a programme to increase the speed to 100 and then to 125. So today we've got a very fast East Coast route in general and the investment now is in terms of the extra capacity that we need at certain pinch points. But yes, there are one or two locations on the East Coast main line where we could still uh, ease out some of the curves and, and, and reduce journey times further. And there's actually been a study that's been done in recent years about improving the journey times through a bit of uh, a, a few new lines between Newcastle and Edinburgh. Yes, you've got that Morpeth curve, haven't you? That's very slow through there. You have, and the curves around the coast, and it, you know, it, yeah. it's fantastic in terms of the scenery, but it, mm. it does mean that we're not running the trains as fast as they're designed to run. So uh, the, the, both the UK and the Scottish governments have been doing a feasibility study to say, actually, what could be done if, if there was investment in a new alignment? David Horn, LNER's Managing Director. I'm David Dunning. Thank you very much indeed for listening to the Fast Track podcast. We will be back with more very soon.